Hello, and welcome to your next episode of Fixing Fitness with Kelly, the show that serves up real talk about fitness with a focus on why traditional fitspo just doesn't serve women in their 30s. Let's talk about what we can really do to get results that make all the effort worth it. Get more on the website at kellymarieroach.com, including exclusive access to my head-to-toe mobility routine when you download my free guide to the five worst exercise cues in the fitness industry. And tune into the Kelly M. Roach YouTube channel for weekly videos offering fresh perspectives on fixing fitness topics. What's up, you guys? Thanks for joining me today. So for this week, I have a real banger of a topic to discuss. I think the ladies are really going to like this one, but I think it's super important for the men who tune in as well. We're getting into the topic of stress and specifically how it affects female fitness. And so as you might expect, as I was researching this topic, what I was coming across was elements of stress that seem to be, according to the literature, uniquely experienced by women. And I'm extrapolating it out a little bit, cross-referencing a couple of different studies and basically putting together this theory that I think validates what a lot of women feel like they've been saying for years and years and years and probably even before our lifetimes, but no one's been listening. And a couple weeks ago, you'll hear me talk about this in this week's episode when I was kind of trying to get at what is it that's causing so much mental drain? Why do we all feel so mentally fatigued all the time? Why is it that no matter how much sleep we get, how much water we drink, um, how much time we take off working out, how you know much nutritious foods we eat, we always feel tired. And that, I had a couple of theories that I pitched in that episode, but it's sort of stuck in my craw, so to speak. So I wanted to dig into it a little bit further, and this is what I found. So I hope you enjoy. In an episode a couple of weeks ago, I tackled the question about why we're always so tired. I touched on how taxing mental and emotional stressors can be and generalized three large categories from which I felt most of those stressors originate. As I'm formulating what to me makes up a holistic picture of fitness after 35, I'm devoting significant attention to what I'm starting to refer to as mental awareness and emotional harmony. What I previously discussed was along the lines of mental preoccupation with social pressures and the draining, distracting effect such preoccupation can have. Today, I want to look more closely at what research has begun to call mental labor or cognitive load, particularly gendered mental labor, as it relates to unpaid labor in the household and the effect this is having on our physical fitness. It's not a secret that while women have fought for workplace equality since entering the workforce in droves in the mid-20th century, They've had to fight a concurrent battle for equal distribution of household responsibilities historically borne 100% by women. Instead of relinquishing the full-time responsibility of running a household and managing childcare to take on full-time paid employment, women have been expected to take on both. In many cases, efforts to reduce household responsibilities to a part-time shared effort with a partner fail. This leaves many women overburdened, underpaid, and gaslit about why they're so stressed and exhausted all the time. And if you think this doesn't impact your ability to take control of your fitness, think again. 
The goal of today's podcast is to take a closer look at mental fatigue caused by this concept of mental labor and cognitive load disproportionately experienced by women. Then to demonstrate that this mental fatigue has been scientifically shown to impact physical performance. And finally, to address practical ways of dealing with that while we all work toward broader social overhaul. I was fortunate enough to find a literature review on the subject that summarized the issue I wanted to research beautifully. Directly from the abstract is the following quote. Research on the gender division of unpaid work is not new. However, most studies have focused on the physical dimension of unpaid work, i.e. actually doing the housework or caring for children, whereas its cognitive dimension, i.e. thinking, planning, organizing, etc., has received proportionally less attention. As the physical and cognitive dimensions of unpaid work are closely related, the cognitive dimension and its impact on physical, mental, and partnership health requires more scholarly attention. That's the end of that quote. This review was just published in April of 2023. The fact that it's taken this long to call out the need for scholarly attention to the disproportionate amount of cognitive workload borne by women is insane to me. Maybe it's because I am a woman, but I feel like this is a concept I've been ruminating about for years, wondering why it seems so difficult for society as a whole to grasp it and do something about it. Mostly, I think, because the labor is invisible. It's the thankless kind of effort that no one notices until it isn't being done. And ultimately, because women's suffering has been and continues to be dismissed and ignored. But I digress. For our purposes here today, the paper goes on to say the following. Some research indicates that gender inequality in mental labor might have negative implications for women's well-being and mental health. High cognitive load or multitasking is associated with reduced capacity to exercise willpower and make long-term decisions, as well as increase anxiety and stress. End quote there. One thing to address here is getting on the same page about what exactly mental labor is. The literature reviewed by the authors did not use a consistent definition across the board, so they provided a working definition of mental labor in the context of unpaid work that includes five elements. And those elements are cognition, management, communal orientation, anticipation, and invisibility. So spelling out what all of this means is extraordinary. It even made me stop and appreciate how much more work I do than even I give myself credit for. So cognition, that covers thinking about and remembering information. Management covers the managerial aspects of mental labor, including things like planning, organizing, coordinating, instructing, reminding, decision-making, and monitoring. That's a lot just for one of those five elements. Communal orientation means things that are done for the benefit of others and not just oneself. So this covers when you're thinking about your kids, your partner, your parents, the pets, and anyone else in your household. The anticipatory element of mental labor is that it's often future-oriented. So whenever you're presently doing one thing, you're devoting mental labor to what's coming next. And invisibility is included to cover the fact that this is the kind of labor which, as previously mentioned, goes largely unnoticed. So with that definition established, the authors discussed the results of the review. 
quote, qualitative studies indicate that mental labor is described as exhausting, frustrating, and energy consuming, and may lead to reduced well-being, emotional distress, and relationship satisfaction when perceived as unequally divided between partners, end quote there. Another quote from a little bit later in the review Moreover, family-specific mental labor and multitasking at home were associated with women's lower positive and higher negative affect, as well as increased psychological distress. Two of the articles mention cognitive load as a consequence of mental labor. Mental labor is described as time-consuming and spilling over into work and leisure time, which can create a more chronic cognitive load that interferes with performance on other tasks. Cognitive load, in turn, is described as detrimental to health and well-being. End quote. Several of the studies included were cited as part of this discussion. So you would think that this growing body of evidence showing how very real mental labor is, that it wouldn't be a leap to connect it to common complaints of fatigue, exhaustion, and generally lacking the energy to devote to our own physical fitness. You would think that, but you'd be wrong. In a systematic review published back in 2017 called The Effects of Mental Fatigue on Physical Performance, the authors evaluated available literature to see what those effects actually were. And the hypothesis they were testing was whether mental fatigue, defined as psychobiological state caused by prolonged periods of demanding cognitive activity, had any physical impact. What they found was that mental fatigue seemed to impact endurance performance, but maximal strength, power, and anaerobic work were not affected. Interestingly, however, they said physiological variables traditionally associated with endurance performance, including heart rate, blood lactate, oxygen uptake, cardiac output, and maximal aerobic capacity, were unaffected by mental fatigue. And it was the duration and intensity of the physical task that appeared to result in a decrease in physical performance. They therefore concluded that the most important factor responsible for the negative impact of mental fatigue on endurance performance is a higher perceived exertion. What this means is that when it came to endurance training, there was no measurable physical manifestation of mental fatigue. So basically, when we're too tired to work out or too tired to keep pushing, the fatigue is mental only, not physical. There's a book called Motivation and Self-Regulation in Sport and Exercise, which includes a chapter entitled The Effects of Mental Fatigue on Sport Performance. In that chapter, the authors write that psychologically, it is quite clear that perception of effort during aerobic exercise is higher than normal in mentally fatigued individuals. Physiologically, further studies monitoring the possible neurophysiological alterations are highly recommended. The common phrase that jumped out at me between the book and the systematic review was perceived level of effort or perception of effort. Put simply, if you think that something is harder than it actually is, it will feel harder than it actually is, even when there's no evidence that an increase in physical exertion is needed. And it seems widely accepted, at least in the field of sports performance, that mentally fatigued athletes are susceptible to thinking a task is harder than it actually is. 
And I see no reason why we can't extrapolate upon these findings to suggest that women who arguably bear the lion's share of mental load in day-to-day life are experiencing the same thing when it comes to getting fit. I've talked a lot about our sedentary lifestyles and the fact that often at the end of a workday, it's that I'm mentally exhausted, not physically, and that I've therefore been seeking mindless things to do that keep my body moving while my mind rests. And this, I think, is that with more science to back it up. And for those of us over 35, with more job responsibilities than we had in our 20s, as well as more demanding household and maybe even family responsibilities, it's no wonder that the mental labor has taken its toll. It always temporarily motivates me to scroll through the Fitspo accounts of younger women and women my age who are able to make fitness their full-time job. Those accounts are full of positive outlooks and bubbly inspiration because they are a visual representation of what life could be like in the absence of this mental fatigue. The women making fun recipes while wearing cute workout gear in their kitchens seem unburdened by the constant barrage of cognitive and managerial tasks that I'm dealing with. And that's not to say that they aren't also bearing the burden of their own mental fatigue. Of course they are. That's the myth of social media. But it's also why it can be the wrong place to look for your motivation. Show me instead a woman who hasn't showered yet today, throwing together an ugly but healthy dinner plate in her workout clothes she's had since high school. Show me a woman enjoying her workout while she has cats and kids begging for their dinners. Show me a woman who is out there killing it without pretending that it's effortless, because it isn't. So I promised at the start of this episode that I would be discussing what we can do about this while we wait for the much needed social overhaul that alleviates women of the disproportionate burden of mental labor so that maybe our personal goals can feel more effortless. Let's dive into that next. Let me start by saying that I don't love the use of the term perceived level of effort or perception of effort here. When you think about all of the mindfulness coaching and the psychology behind most life coaching, a lot of it starts from the premise that we need to question our perceptions against reality and then work to align the two. And in many cases, this is highly effective, particularly when we're talking about a perceived set of limitations like, I'm not good enough at this, or I could never do that, which have no basis in reality. They're just the version of the truth that we've decided to tell ourselves so we stay in our comfort zone. But in this context, I think asking ourselves to check our perception against reality is tantamount to convincing ourselves to ignore our reality. Because if we accept the reality that our mental fatigue has no impact on physiological variables associated with our workouts, and therefore we should have all the energy we need to do our workouts and get enough physical activity, then we are essentially saying that our mental fatigue doesn't and shouldn't factor into what we have the energy to do. And that, my friends, is what society has been trying to tell us all along. And anyone who bears the burden of the mental labor in their household knows that this is bullshit. So if we don't want to brainwash ourselves this way, what can we do instead? I mentioned earlier that as I'm piecing together a holistic view of fitness in our late 30s and beyond, I'm devoting attention to mental awareness. That's a working term for now, but what I mean is that our mental state cannot be ignored. We have to be aware of what's going on with us mentally and calling out our own mental labor and treating it as the very real thing that it is has to be part of the solution. 
One of the interesting things about the invisibility factor of mental labor is that often it's invisible to the person doing it. Whether that's from habit or because on some level we strive to do it well to be perceived as better women or superhero moms or whatever title has been dangled in front of us as a reward for doing it all. If we want to stop being invisible, we have to be the first to make it visible. One thing I've done for years is keep a notebook or a day planner or whatever you like, but a paper version helps here. I list out all of the mental labor items that I need to take care of every day. I can see them and I make my husband aware of them too. And I know I have to make time for them. Remember, there is that physical dimension to mental labor where we actually have to do the tasks, but don't treat them as negotiable or movable or optional. Get them done so you can stop thinking about them and think about other things instead. If you've set aside time to make a meal plan and do a grocery list, for example, treat it as you would any other appointment. This is where I think women get gaslit a lot because it sounds stupid to say, no, babe, I can't come help you with that right now because I'm making a grocery list. Can't you do that some other time? Can't you do that while you're doing something else? You know what we usually get. Do you really need to make a list? Is that as important as this other thing that I need you for? And we convince ourselves that, yes, of course, a grocery list is at the bottom of the priority pile. And we're happy to move that in any other seemingly simple task to another time slot to accommodate other things. Of course, moving priorities around in and of itself constitutes mental labor. So it's really just doubling down on the problem. Another thing that's effective that most of us refuse to do is delegate. How many of you have had the thought, if I don't do it, it isn't going to get done? How many of you have asked for help, not gotten it, and ended up shouldering the burden yourself again anyway? When it comes to sharing responsibility with a partner, this is not acceptable. And if you are allowing it and choosing to let it be acceptable, then you need to own that you are part of the problem. Because there is no reason that responsible adults cannot share household responsibilities. Chores can be divided. Decide who is going to do what, and here's the key thing, trust that it's going to get done. It might not get done the way you would do it, but if it's getting done, it's one less thing you have to worry about. And remember, that is the goal. My point with all of this is that if we continue treating mental labor like it isn't real work, it will continue to be perceived as though it isn't real work. And if we start treating it like real work, and start sharing the work, these can be the first steps toward alleviating the burden and freeing up some energy to devote to other things like our health and fitness. Because you can't give your attention to developing mind-muscle connection if you're thinking about the family calendar. And you can't get energized for a workout if you're stressed about responding to your realtor or getting to a PTA meeting or cleaning up the cat vomit. If you have a list of tasks constantly rotating through your mind that have nothing to do with your fitness levels, it's really hard to push through them to make fitness your priority. So the key is to take the mental part out of mental labor and increase our productivity with it just like we do with our desk jobs. And just like with our desk jobs, when we clock out, we're done dealing with it until we have to pick it up again. 
look, I'm not saying it's easy and I'm not even saying it's going to free up hours of time that you didn't have before, but that's not the goal here. The goal is to free up your mind to reduce the mental fatigue that's draining your energy. Because we shouldn't be stuck perceiving things as harder than they are just because we're pre-exhausted by taking care of everyone else's lives. I really want to know what you guys think of this one because I hear a lot of women talking about mental fatigue and mental labor and these principles of cognitive load without using that vocabulary and finding scientific literature backing it up has been really empowering for me. I want more women to know about this. I want more women to feel heard, to feel like this is a real thing. You are not alone. And let me be clear on this too. I don't share this information to try to double down on the toxic mindset that what men men are useless, men are less capable, what men don't bear any of the burden of, you know, managing the household and childcare and those things. No, of course that's not true. Of course, you know, there's a wide range of the way couples manage their homes. And of course, the limitation of this study, it even said in the paper, which um, I will drop into the show notes, a link to it so you can go and read it if you're interested. It even acknowledged there that in that paper and the studies that they reviewed, a big limitation was that they were studying heterosexual couples. So that was the focus of the paper and, you know, acknowledging that it could be very different in different kinds of households. Um, But this is the household that I live in and this is what the paper was reviewing. So I just want to acknowledge that that is a limitation, that that is just one sort of narrow way of looking at it. And of course, It's not true of everybody understanding that this can be a generalization, but I do think that mental labor, whether you're a man, whether you're a woman, whether you feel like it's shared with your partner or you don't, mental labor across the board is a real thing. And I do think that there's plenty of evidence saying that more women have to deal with it than men, and it is sort of unique to women in that way. However, anybody who's dealing with this is suffering the mental fatigue and the energy drain and all of the other negative consequences that I quoted earlier from the paper. So I really want to know people's opinions about this, how you experience it, how you see other people experiencing it. So pop over to the Fixing Fitness with Kelly Instagram, drop it in the comments when you start seeing posts about this episode. I'm very curious to get a conversation going about this one. So Thank you all so much for listening. I hope you found it helpful and I will be back with you with another topic next week.